Sugarcane has always been an important part of my life. The first spirit I ever drank out of a plastic bottle was Charanda, my snack of choice after spending hours and hours on the back of my parents' truck when going back and forward from Michoacán, was fresh sugarcane con chile limón. I will chew the life out of it and will spit it at least two meters far. Finally, when I started traveling around Mexico when in university, I came back home with stories about the massive metal mills called trapiches used to extract the juices out of sugarcane to make sweets and spirits. My father gave me a full lecture of how he had encountered them in his youth as well, which immediately made me perceive him as an enlightened entity. I just say all of this because I believe that without understanding sugarcane, we can't understand Mexico. So let's try to do that. Let's talk about aguardientes. Hello everyone, welcome to Heritage Mezcal again. And today, we are not going to be talking about agave spirits. Today we are going to be talking about Señorita Caña, or Mrs. Sugarcane, as I like to call her. And we're here with Keegan. Keegan, I know absolutely nothing about you. Would you care to introduce yourself? Um, yeah, so I'm Keegan. I'm based out of London in the UK. Um, I guess the reason he's speaking to me is because of rum, and rum's probably one of my major passions in my life. Um, I started drinking it legally, let's say that. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not clear about legalities. <laughs> I want to know when you started to drink it illegally, please. <laughs> uh, I thought about 16, 17, I'd probably say. Um, oh, that that that's you're already a man at that age. Come on! <laughs> but you've got to realize when I started drinking it in the UK, you couldn't get what we now know as good rum. It was the mass mm. market produced rum. The big boys, the massive conglomerates, had their rums in the UK. Finding small producers was non-existent. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, no. So sorry to interrupt you with that, but but you, I, I want to to for you like maybe to give us a little bit of context of yeah. what would you like? How do you make that separation? Because I mean, some uh, like between good rum, bad rum. Because something that I am always impressed about sugarcane spirits is that something that in the agave world will be called absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. In rum, is still sort of a small producer, just because the 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 scale of sugarcane tends to be different than agave, at least in in what I've seen. So, what do you call a small producer? How, how sort of how you make that distinction between what you call massive and small? Well, okay, so on the massive end, you've got the massive conglomerates, so the likes of Bacardi, Havana Club, Captain Morgan's, etc. On the small end, you can literally go down to a village producer like you mm. can do in Haiti for Clarin and there are some uh rum maker well uh rum makers in Mexico that are also basically just make rum for their village. Those are mm-hmm. ultra small producers. And then you can move up to people who provide maybe the local markets and then maybe the national markets and then they start exporting. Um okay. so yeah so there's different levels as to volumes they do. I mean Obviously, for the one to go to another, there's got to be investment. They've got to understand either legislation, because obviously mm. making it, chances are people making it just for their village probably don't have um, certificates to say <laughs> yeah, 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 what yeah. they're doing. Uh, while if they're going to producing it nationally, the government's got to be more heavily involved, etc. 
So got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. And so I, I guess like trying to imagine how, how old are you, Keegan? Just to get a little bit of context uh, of when you were. You were 42. So it's been a while since you've been drinking rum. And so the landscape has changed a lot in what you have access to right now. Massively. Um, Mm. uh, There was on Facebook and popped up a little picture saying, hey, remember this from like seven years ago? I'm like, was it really something like seven years ago? It was actually like uh, nine, no, 10 years ago. 10 years ago um, when a certain independent bottler came to to the UK and started um, basically selling his product. And since then, I mean, it was slowly building, but since then, the varietals of rum you can get within the UK and in Europe has exploded. Um, lots of different independent bottlers have come out um, and basically sourcing their rums from various different distilleries. Some do finishing, some don't do finishing, different ABVs, etc. So and I'm curious about the behavior of that, because when I think about agave spirits, in the UK, in the US of A, a lot of the explosion or growth of them has come from the cocktail context, mm-hmm. right? Like yep. it's a, it's a well-known fact for a lot of brands that in order to, to sell volume and to survive and to make a profit, you have to be extremely active in the cocktail context. Does rum- Yep, exactly the same. For your perception, okay. Exactly the same. But I um, suppose rum has one advantage over generic cocktails in, the fact is there was a very big culture of coming out of the US, tiki culture, which mm. had rum as one of its primary ingredients. It had other spirits as well, but quite a lot of their cocktails had rum and various rum cocktails in it. So that helps when people think about rum cocktails. Most of the cocktails they would know would source would come out of the tiki culture. Got it. And is it, and again, like, sorry that I'm just bombarding you right. with questions, but uh, but I, I, I've encountered that I have a great passion for sugarcane, and it, I just haven't had anybody to, to ask these things to. Uh, I, I wonder, is it also frowned upon to maybe take one of these extra small clarin producers that you're referring to and use one of those products into cocktails, or is that celebrated? Ooh, that depends who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> depends who you talk to. Some people say no. It's like the same like whiskey. Some people yeah. say, oh, it's a single malt. You can't touch it. You drink it neat. You may add a bit of water or maybe an ice cube. Other people say, I bought the bottle. I do whatever I want with it. So if you want the category to grow, my opinion is if you want the category to grow, once you paid for the bottle, drink it the way you like it. So yeah, and, yeah, yeah. if it happens okay. to be in a cocktail, sip it so you know what you're drinking. It may be with ice. It may be with Coke but drink it the way you like it. Because if you like it in a certain way, that means you're likely to buy a second bottle. And if you buy a second bottle and a third bottle, that producer has a lifeline to keep going. If it's only going to be sipping it and you only sip maybe once every six months, then that producer doesn't have enough volume to keep going. So absolutely, you want it. Yeah, no, I, I see that a lot. Sometimes, you know, like I, I, I both get excited and worried when I walk into a mezcaleria that has 400 different bottles, mm-hmm. because my first thought is how long does it take for them to reorder each one of those bottles? But also it has to. But when they're making, uh, so back, going back to the cocktails and when mezcaleria there's certain cocktails where the base spirit shines. Old fashioned would be a classic example. Mm. It's pretty much the spirit maybe a bit bit of bitters, a bit of sugar, but the spirit carries the flavor. So you could have various different mezcals in an old-fashioned. Every single one's going to be different. You could have it in a martini style. Everyone's going to be different. So that's cocktail. Take something people understand and then 
you add a new ingredient, which is mezcal or rum or a another spirit. And then, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I love how this is already morphing and going into through all different kinds of pathways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like we started rum, now now there's a, a, a whole bunch of other discussions within it. But, uh, and I, I guess that my other question, and you were talking about this new producers, small producers that are getting to have a lifeline uh, through people consuming them. Do you have someone or a project that you are especially excited that you just found that you wish that everybody knew about them and people were just buying bottles left, right and center? Oh, way too many. Way too many. I mean, if you <laughs> the English rum market. So within England, we have a history with rum through the Navy, but there are English rum producers um, starting out. Quite a lot of them are based all over the UK. There's few in Scotland, few in the UK, few in Wales, etc. But some of their product, which is coming to market, is phenomenal. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait! But uh, what can you? No, okay. So, so you, you're, you're like, can you grow sugar cane in those no. areas? No, 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 no. So they don't. No, yeah, <laughs> they don't make it from sugar cane directly. They make mm. it from molasses. They buy the molasses in, which is stable once when they buy it. Then they water it down, add the yeast, ferment it, and then distill it. Um, you can buy frozen um, sugarcane juice, uh, but that's going to take, that's a different style of rum. So, yeah. Wow. So, okay, you just blew my mind a little bit. And I had heard this before, and I think that I start, I'm starting to see a little bit of this behavior in the agave context where people buying agave syrup, yeah. then fermenting it, and then distilling it. But It seems that in sugarcane, this has been a behavior that has happened for maybe more than a hundred years where uh, you will buy. Well, it's well, they, there's quite a few countries and islands always make their rum from sugarcane in the modern context. Previously, it's been a mix because previously the rum distilleries were attached to sugarcane plantations. So mm -hmm. sugarcane plantations were making sugar to ship back to the old world, quote, Europe. Yeah, And from doing that, they had various different products which they weren't using. Molasses being one of them, skimmings from the top being another one. And that to... Wait, wait, wait. Uh, skimming, skimmings from the top, are you referring to when you are processing sugar? Yes. So, and then you have something that builds on top yeah. that looks nasty so, and beautiful at the same time. When they're boiling the sugarcane juice to concentrate yeah. it to get the crystals, you're going to get bubbles. Uh, and obviously, they just skim that off because it has impurities as well. So they skim that off and put it into a bucket to the side, etc. And as I was saying, they are waste products or byproducts. So, so uh, are you from? Are you sorry? Is there, are you familiar with tacos de cochinada? No. So tacos de cochina is basically when people are making tacos and they have a grill and all those charred little bits, they go to one side. Mm -hmm. And if you know the taco de cochina is like one peso in Mexico and you ask for one of those. So you're telling me there's a taco de cochina for <laughs> sugarcane production, which I just uh, love. I mean, well, that, yeah. that's gorgeous. <laughs> so that's how, rum, well, that's one of the series of how rum was originally made. So That by that byproduct, that waste product for the producers was given to the slaves because, unfortunately, uh. at that time, slavery was endemic in the countries that are making it. And if you leave it out, it starts to ferment. And then once it ferments, people go, okay, it's got alcohol. Then they can distill it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So rum became what we know as modern rum for a long process, many years. And modern rum 
lots of countries buy their molasses in. So quite a lot of countries can't produce enough sugarcane to yeah. feed their rum industry. So they buy the molasses in from large countries like Brazil, Fiji. It used to be Guyana as well. Um, and then wow. they make their rum from that. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, and, and that's what I love about just sugarcane rum in general, because they, they've been an international industry mm -hmm. for as long as... Maybe it was one of the biggest international agriculture products that has... That, that has followed the the old world as you just referred right that that was like i mean you got silver you had gold and you had sugarcane in the capacity yep sugarcane cotton um etc yeah so those were traded um between the well americas and the old world europe um yeah so they and spirits as well so don't forget when the sailors are going over when they're coming over from europe they would have beer but beer doesn't keep very well so they have spirits mm. And Absolutely. the British Navy, as well as some other navies, they had what was, well, what we know as the black top was the tot, which is basically, it used to be various different measures, but imagine a pint of rum a day. Yes. And it's I, mean, I, 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 I can live out of that. I, I, well, I won't complain. <laughs> but the rum is not at 40% as we know now. It has to be at a higher proof just in case they were attacked. And if the rum, rum barrel broke and got into the sh into the gunpowder the camp gunpowder could still light what so yeah i i love uh, so what, what abb are we talking here like 52 50 50 uh, so like the in the 50s is 55.4 uh but a yes. lot of people think it's 57 so yeah Okay, that, that sounds exactly the kind of things that I'd like to sip. I mean, if it was 62, I'll be the happiest, but life can't be perfect. So there are 57, many I'll take it. 62% quite commonly out of Jamaica. <laughs> love it. Love it with a passion. So, I mean, just coming back to the projects that you're super happy about, it, and, and it for me, it's fascinating because, you know, like, I guess in my mind, or just because I'm, uh, I'm a terrible purist in the worst of ways, like, for me, always the agricultural product is the base, like, the closest a product is out, out of its agricultural origin. Mm -hmm. uh, that's like the the holy grail for me. Cool. But what you're telling to me is that you can make extremely delicious stuff mm -hmm. that doesn't follow that path and that you're seeing that right now happening within the UK. So most of the rums that people know globally is made out of molasses. You do mm -hmm. have other styles just made freshly out of sugarcane juice. So the juice is squeezed and then it's fermented and distilled. So you've got Clarin, which I've mentioned already from Haiti. You've got Abricol, which is, comes out of the French Caribbean and Madeira. So there's various different islands that does it. Uh, you've got Mexican rum. Some Mexican rums have a juice um, as their source. Uh, but yeah, but there's various different ways you can make rum. Rum is basically a byproduct of sugar, but not sh white sugar crystals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 the brown stuff like you and I. It's a byproduct of, <laughs> of, well, of 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 just <laughs> sugarcane. Fresh sugarcane juice is not white. It's a creamy color, creamy yellow color. So yeah, yeah, or or greenish. No, it's because I I actually spent some time in Chiapas in a place where they do. Uh, we call it here panela or piloncillo. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen those guys. It's beautiful, beautifully packaged. Yes. So I, 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 I in in other parts of the world they call them jaggery, but yeah, panela jaggery. Inter interchangeable yes 
Yeah. So I, I remember spending a whole, well, they start in the morning, they end up in the afternoon, yeah. and they're just boiling these juices. Yeah. And I remember they, w- they were sampling it all the time, and they will do different products depending on how much water will be evaporated, right? Because the more water you evaporate, the sweeter whatever you got inside is. it is. It just concentrates the flavors, yes. So, I mean, there is an intermediate stage between sugarcane juice and um, panela, which is called syrup or honey. And there's even some rum producers that use that rather than molasses. So, yeah. Wow. Okay, so I mean, we're we're getting sort of off at the end of this episode, and we haven't even scratched the surface. It's like we 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 just like got our nails into the the, the apple, but we haven't even scratched it. It's just like and I love it. Things. Once you think you think you, it's an easy subject, but once you start getting into it, you realize there's a lot more to lot more to learn, a lot more to learn. So if you, when I first started getting to drinking agave spirits, I thought, oh, tequila's just tequila. Agave, uh, mezcal just mezcal. mezcal. It's like, hold on, there's more than one agave? <laughs> there's more than one vintage? Okay. Good Lord. Yeah, right? It, it, it becomes an impossible labyrinth. Yeah. Shit. Okay, so Keegan... Again, like I, I don't even want to keep extending this one because it, it just will last an hour and a half, and and I and I'm a big believer that episodes should be on the shorter kind of uh, side of things. But I think that there's more episodes that I would love to make with you, mm-hmm. just taking brackets of what okay. we very superficially yep. discuss right now. Yeah, and I'll see you pretty soon. Cool, nice. See you again. Adiósito. Bye. Keegan, I can't thank you enough for this conversation. Now I think of sugarcane not just as something personal, but as a global product that has been part of the English military and the political system of Nueva España. I am sure we'll have to record more episodes to expand on this, but for now, I think we got a good start. All sounds and the music were crafted by Roy Sierra, Señorita Caña, can't wait to drink you more.